0: Good morning church, isn't that a great sermon bumper team uh, whacked that one together because we're starting a a four-week series in this passage from the book of Jude and uh, I find it amazing that we can get so much out of just these few verses and uh, this week I'm going to be speaking here, you may have noticed that because I'm up the front with a microphone on. And I'll be back next week, but uh, we're going to share it around a little bit. You know, Gary Sperling's been speaking over in our cafe, and uh, I believe they're having a really precious time. Uh, Phil, who read the scriptures to us this morning, uh, has been given the privilege of speaking on the last two verses, 24 and 25. So even though there's only a few verses, we're actually going to really run through verses 20 through to 25. We're going to spend four weeks doing that. And this beautiful theme of contending for the faith... And uh, we wrestled with that word, contend, for quite some time, if you'll pardon the pun. We, uh, we wrestled trying to find a word that made more sense to us. But this word comes to us in the midst of a real battle that uh, Jude is facing and a world that's terribly, terribly broken. And he says to the saints and to the believers of that time, I want you to really wrestle for the faith. I want you to really fight for your faith, which seems an utter contradiction because faith is a gift from God. And I want to explain that in the time that we have together and just pick out for you three things in verses 19, 20 and 21 today uh, without stealing the thunder of those precious preachers that are coming after me. But God wants us to wrestle for the faith. And uh, let's pray together and then I want to take you through that. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here today and thank you for the beautiful worship. I want to thank you for the music team. Thank you for the precious people who have been looking after our multimedia and they ran that slide and they put all the hymns up for us and thank you for their wisdom. Thank you for the hard work they do coming early and working through some really technical stuff. Thank you for the lighting so these dear people get to see my beautiful face. I want to thank you for those gorgeous people that look after that. For Graham and the other people on our sound, our ushers who come early to care for us. Father, thank you for each one. And uh, Lord, as we open your word now, we pray that you would illumine it to us. We know this, please illumine your word to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Being a faith-filled follower is not a passive spectator sport for good people. We uh, have the tennis recently on the news and we enjoy watching the tennis and fabulous exercise for our neck. We get to make sure that everything is good there. But Christianity is not like that. It's not a spectator sport for religious people, for good people, who just get to watch from the outside. Much more than that. Really, it's a daily fight to grow our faith and to love others as God has loved us. And if we were to sum up the last few verses of the book of Jude, that sums it up so well. It's a daily fight for our faith And a daily fight so that we can love others as God has loved us. And that's what God is calling us to do. Calling us to contend for the faith. If you'll see there in the verses that are up on the screen for you. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles and our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you... As they say to us today, this is the beautiful thing about the book of Jude. When you're reading it, you're not reading a book that's 2,000 years old and is out of date. You're reading the inspired Word of God, which was spoken back at that time, but speaks so beautifully into the time that we are now. As you read these verses with me in your heart, just draw the comparison to the world that we live in now. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles and our Lord Jesus Christ. They say to you in the last time there will be scoffers, followers of their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit of God. Isn't that an excellent description of 2021? We live in a world that is utterly broken, a world where we seek to consume each other for our own desires, our own worldly desires. Acts chapter 20 and 29 and 30 says, I know that after my departure, Jesus Christ speaking to us, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will rise up men speaking twisted things to draw you away And for them to be able to take you away after them and make you their disciples. And what's really shattering when we read the book of Jude and you look at those first few verses, we think to ourselves that maybe Jude is speaking about the world that he's living in, but he's actually speaking about the church and the world that he lives in. And by implications, what he's saying is these people who are devoid of the Spirit, who are living ungodly lives, who are concerned only about themselves, are actually people within our community. He's talking about the church of that time and those who claimed to know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, but really had never come to saving faith. And so they're amongst us today. And I don't know if that makes you take a breath or not or makes you think for a moment, but do you really know Jesus Christ? Are you a person who is living your life for him? Are you thinking, God, How, when I wake today, how can I love others as you have loved me? How can I love my colleagues? How can I love my family? How can I love my community in a way that reflects your transforming work in my life? Or do you just wake up in the morning and think, God, how can I get what I want? I know we don't say it in those terms, but if we're not living for the Lord then we're living for ourselves. If we're not living for the Lord, we're just serving our own ungodly passions. If we're not living for the Lord, then we don't know the Lord and His Spirit is not in us. And we are just a, a very, very committed, good person, devoid of the Spirit of God. Part of the church, Jude says, is actually spiritually dead. Romans 8 and verse 9 says, "'You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit.'" if in fact the Spirit of God God dwells in you, and anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not, what does it say? That's right, mumbled. <laughs> it catches us every time, doesn't it? But if we don't have the Spirit of God, it says that we do not belong to Him. And Is that really where you want to be? Is that where we want to be as a person that we actually think that we want to be right with God? We think as a good person that we are right with God, but the truth of it is we've never actually received His Spirit and so therefore we're actually not part of Him at all. And the shocking reality that we live in this broken church in a broken world and that is represented no more clearly than the recent abortion bill that has been put before our parliament here in South Australia and I want to let you know that that will be voted on on Wednesday the Liberal Party under Stephen Marshall have already indicated they're in favor of that uh, the Labor Party is still uh, open to being led with that I want to ask you as a pastor and as a friend that you contact your local parliamentarian before Wednesday and express your absolute shock and horror that we would treat our unborn in this manner. How despicable, how broken is our community? And so Jude says that in a world that's going completely the opposite way that God wants us to go, in a world that despises our faith, let's ask yourselves, are are you free to share your faith at work? Can you go up to your colleagues and talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ? And doesn't that fill you full of fear because you expect to be rejected or you expect to be mocked or to be made fun of? Because that's the world that we live in. The world that we live in despises our faith. They think that we are foolish. They think that Christianity is a crutch for the weak. They think to believe in God literally and to obey Him and walk after Him is for the stupid and the weak and for the unintelligent. And yet our faith tells us that we are utterly dependent upon God Our faith tells us that we need God every moment in our lives. Our faith tells us that God is good. Our faith tells us that God is the place where we find true joy and true contentment. Faith tells us that serving others before we serve ourselves is the way to joy and fulfillment. Faith tells us that if we die to ourselves and we live unto God, we will enjoy not only this life but eternity to come. Faith is a complete contradiction to the world faith is foolishness to them and in the midst of this world that thinks that faith is foolishness God comes to us in the book of Jude and we'll speak about this over the next three weeks as well that we need to be able to contend for our faith have you ever stood in the water, in the ocean up to your waist and the waves have been coming gently through and you feel the waves pushing you backwards, has anybody not had that experience I commend you to go down the beach this afternoon you know that feeling don't you standing in the waves and they're pushing against you and then the waves change and the tide starts to go out as they go back and you've got to hold your feet in the sand and your feet start to sink down and you feel the the tide pushing you in the back trying to push you out to the ocean and then the waves come in again and this is what's happening with our faith God says that he wants us to contend for our faith but the beautiful thing is that unlike the waves where we're trying to hold our feet God says that In the face of a world that hates our faith and doesn't believe what we believe, we can not only hold our feet, but we can actually advance. We can actually move forward. We can actually grow in our faith. We can actually express the love of God to a world that actually hates us. We can actually be wonderful, faith-filled, loving Christians in our communities, in our offices, in our schools, in our university, in our society. Isn't that amazing to think that rather than us being pushed back or rather than us thinking that we just have to stand in one place, we can actually move forward and build our faith. And Jude wants to tell us how we can do that. I love that. I'm a fairly ordinary guy, as you know. I love YouTube videos. If I want to build something... Rather than asking for help, I go on YouTube and I watch a video and I think, yeah, I know how to do that. And so if I I want to smoke some steak and I don't want to get it on YouTube and have a look how to smoke a piece of steak, not literally like that, I mean, actually on my barbecue. So I gave up smoking ages ago. Okay. I love the book of Jude because Jude doesn't treat us like fools. He actually comes alongside us. And I want you to picture the book of Jude this way. I actually want you to picture all of God's word this way. I want you to picture God this way. God comes to us and puts his arm around us in the book of Jude and says, I want to walk with you as you build your faith. I want to be with you. And I'm going to show you how to do that. I'm going to give you three things today. And it, I know that sounds very Baptist, but it's actually in the passage. <laughs> okay. And then you think, well, what are you talking about building your faith? Isn't faith a gift from God? You're absolutely right. Doesn't Ephesians tell us that we have been saved by grace through faith and that faith is not of our own. It's actually a gift of God. So we ought not to boast about, man, i got faith. Hallelujah. It's actually, I remember that faith is a gift from God. And God's promised never to depart from us, never to leave us nor forsake us. And so we have this wonderful faith. And the faith that Jude is talking about is, yes, that faith, But he's also talking about what we know as the gospel, the faith, the message that's been delivered to us. That Jesus Christ died for our sins and on the third day he rose again and is now seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. It's a a keeping of that faith. But do you find that even though you've been saved by faith that you still need faith? Do you find that when you wake up in the morning and you're faced with a situation of life that you need faith? When you get some bad news about a family member, don't you need faith? When your finances don't work out the way you want them to work out, don't you need faith? When you own a car that keeps breaking down, don't you need two litres of petrol in a match? Sorry, don't you need faith? We need faith all the time in our lives. Every moment of the day we are called to have faith. So what is Faith. What is this faith that we're meant to be building and that we're meant to be keeping? How do, we, how do we grow that faith? The faith that we're talking about, I believe, described, isn't believing in those things that we haven't yet seen. But it's much more than that. We have faith because of what we have seen and what has been delivered to us. And we have faith because the Word of God describes to us, most importantly, the character of our almighty and amazing God and doesn't deserve an amen. Our God is altogether wonderful. And I think this is the thing I want to say to you about faith today. Faith is not an exercise. Faith is not something you get out of a box and unwrap. Faith is not something that you clip on to your belt. Faith is not some trendy accessory that you get within a religious group. Faith comes out of awe for God. Because our God is kind and merciful amen our God is and you're allowed to say amen in this church God has promised not to strike us dead so be bold and even if you do get struck dead you're going to go to be with the Lord like it's a win-win thing today okay our God is gentle and merciful he's described in the old testament and we see a smoking flax and even a reed that has been bruised he will not break because our God is great he is the almighty creator of heavens and the earth is he not he's the God who made us in his image is he not he is the God when Adam and Eve sinned against him and that penalty of sin came upon all of us God had a plan to redeem us through sending his son the Lord Jesus to die in our place is he not that God Is he not a God who has beckoned us to come into his presence? He's made it possible for us to come into the holy of holies and he asked to pray to him and call upon his name and he has paved the way for that to happen through giving of his precious son on the cross. Isn't that wonderful that God would do that for us? And the implication then, this wonderful God who is our creator is the God who answers our prayers. Hallelujah for that. Our God is the one who died in our place and is going to be in heaven to prepare a home for us according to the book of John and he will come again to receive us that we might be where he is in heaven. When we step into eternal life which everybody will do at some stage we will not meet him as judge but we will meet him as our God, our friend and our saviour and he will welcome us in not because of anything that we have done but what he has done for us. Isn't he great to do that? And the story goes on and on. and on. Our God, our God is a worthy. Our God is almighty. Our God is holy, holy, holy. Do you see now where faith comes from? As I look to my God and I remind myself and I stir myself up and I read his word and I learn about his character, so my faith is built every moment of the day. It's from him that I receive my faith. And then he comes alongside me and says, let's build your faith. As you read the word of God and as you study the word of God and as you learn more about the love of God and the character of God and the mercy of God and his kindness, and so our faith is built up. We are called to build our faith. And it comes from not um, a religious exercise. It comes from a, a beautiful relationship with your father in heaven. And it changes the way that we live. And Jude picks up on that so beautifully. If you'll come with me again. Let's have a look at the first of those. uh, Building up our faith. He says in verse 20. But you beloved. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So if you haven't heard me clearly as I spoke and it went overboard with my introduction, the first step to being able to build our faith is to be in the Word of God. But I don't want you to feel like this is like whipping you, because there are people within our church, Pastor Paul's not here this morning, but he's a perfect example. He's a ferocious studier of God's Word. Come, He's retired, but we haven't been able to get him out of the office. He keeps coming in. We're going to organize to steal his key or something like that, take the wheels off his car. He comes in every morning early, and he gets on his desk. We've given him a desk, and he studies and prepares Bible studies and does his own devotions. And his understanding of God's Word has grown, and he's quite a deep, mature man of the Word of God. And then there are others, perhaps like me, that aren't so deep and mature. And we don't get that opportunity to study as deeply as others. And there are others even, if you like, that don't even get that far. We find the reading of God's word really difficult and we find our lives so complicated that we that we go days and, and weeks without reading God's word. But the truth of it is that we need to find a way to do that. Community groups for us is a way to do that. Come around other Christians. If you're not a great reader of God's Word, then do the entry-level things of, as we provided you soap daily, Pastor Vincent is there to encourage you in the Word of God. Get involved in a community group where you can read the Word of God as a group and allow that Word of God to to wash over you because this is critical for you building your faith. God has given you His Word as a, a lamp to light your way. God has given you His Word to reveal Himself to you. God has given you His Word to lead you to peace and hope. God has given you Word to build up your faith so that you have strength and joy. You see, the Word of God is not meant to be a burden for you. The Word of God is actually a blessing for you. And so then Jude says, we need to stir ourselves up. We need to contend for the faith. We need to do the work. Do you struggle with laziness? Do you find that you struggle with excuses? There's always something else to do. There's always a program to watch, a weed to pick, something to do in your life other than read the Word of God. And yet in your heart, you want to please God. And in your heart, you want to know Him. And in your heart, you want your faith to grow. You don't want your faith to falter. Well, we need to come back and humble ourselves before God and ask Him to forgive us. And we need to dedicate ourselves to reading the Word of God. And if you're struggling, get someone to come alongside you. If you need help, put your hand up because we would love to read the Word of God with you. We want to encourage you. We don't want to chastise you. We want to exhort you. We don't want to discipline you. We want to help you understand how important it is, as Jude tells us, that we ought to build our faith. And then he goes on to say that we should be praying in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Any ideas? We need to be praying in the Holy Spirit and George Lawrence says this, praying out of hearts and souls that are indwelt, illuminated and filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayers of supplication and to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints. We had a, a beautiful service on Friday night and Terry and Steve were part of that, uh, one of uh, our precious African community was called home to be with the Lord, a, a younger man, his precious mother Josephine is part of our community and they had a, a memorial service, a celebration service here on Friday night that started at 8 o'clock, uh, that's my bedtime and uh, finished it uh, a little bit after that, sometime around 11 o'clock or ten thirty or thereabouts and we got together to share the word and to pray, they asked me if I would come and speak i came in and as i said it was past my bedtime i was a little bit tired and i came and sat down and a brother came up alongside me put his arm around me and said can i pray for you and i it was just like a healing balm came over my heart i'm so glad that for that prayer and that that encouragement and god's saying that we need to be as men and women praying in the spirit at all times That means that we need to be praying with all of our heart and with all of our mind and with all of our soul. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates the Word of God to us. So can you see how these things link together? As we spend time in God's Word, we begin to understand the mind of God. The Holy Spirit actually gives us access to the things of God. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit and shares the thoughts of God with our spirit through his word, then we are able to pray with knowledge what God wants us to pray. Prayer is not meant to be a religious exercise any more than building up your faith is meant to be a religious exercise. Faith and prayer are meant to be a relationship. When you pray you enter into this beautiful relationship with the God who loves you so deeply and has given so much for you. Prayer was not an accident. Prayer is not some thin, prayer, thin thing that God has come up with. Prayer was won at a great price for us. Does that make sense? Because you see, we had broken God's law and become enemies of God. And God had every right to throw us headlong into hell. And yet God in his great mercy has saved us. But he's also made it possible through the Lord Jesus Christ for us to be able to come to him intimately and to speak to the living God without judgment. That's pretty amazing. For the Jewish nation, they didn't have this at all. They would have... The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies on their behalf. But the average Joe like you and me got nowhere near that but now through jesus christ death and resurrection on the cross not only do we have the holy spirit dwelling in us the fullness of god but now we have access to our father in heaven and he says to you come boldly into my throne room we i had an office that uh, when i we were church planting up in the adelaide hills uh, the my office was in my home and uh the kids would come running in and carol would come in behind them and say come on come out your father's busy and we talked about it carol and i and said i don't want you we we don't want it to be like that we want to leave the door open so the kids can come in anytime they want because i want them to know that like god loves us i love them and i want them to know that they have access to me at any time and that nothing is more important than them to me and I think of that, how God feels about us. This is what's behind this beckoning call. Come to me at any time. Come boldly into my throne room. Come boldly knowing that you will not receive judgment. Come boldly because I love you. Come boldly because I've paid, prayed, I've paid for your sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. Come boldly and bring your request to me. Isn't that a wonderful way? This is from the creator of the heavens and the earth. This is not like from the local service station owner. This is God calling us to come to him in prayer. And he wants us to come with our hearts illuminated. He wants us to come with our hearts soaked in the word of God. So that when we pray to him, we're praying the word of God. And the best place I can encourage you to start is in the book of Psalms. If you don't know what to pray, read a psalm and pray it back to God. Because that's what these psalmists were doing. The psalmists faced the broken world like we face. The, the psalmists faced the heartache that we suffer financially physically emotionally they went through exactly the same stuff we're going through and then God shone a spotlight on them as they prayed to him and as they called upon his name and as he shone a spotlight on them and we can relate to them so well we also see the marvelous character of God and we're able to pray those and the Lord loves that have you ever heard of a promise that God has made have you read your Bibles and found a promise that what about Uh, the one that we all know if we confess our sins here's what it's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to and cleanse us isn't that a cracking promise have you ever prayed that to god god i thank you i thank you that if i confess my sins to you you're faithful and just to forgive me and not just that god but you're willing to cleanse me And so, God, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that to you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I ask you to cleanse me from my... The Lord loves it when you claim his promises. You see, this is praying in the spirit. This is what it means to call upon the Lord through prayer. Don't you... And does that not excite your heart when you think about that? Does it not thrill you to think that you can come into his presence? Carol and I went out for a meal a, couple of no, uh, a week or two ago, we got invited to a celebration of uh, cyclists because we normally have the tour down under but they've got a, a reduced program and so we, because of Carol's connections we got to hobnob it with the Premier and we got to hobnob it with a few other people in the, in the cycling world that are, are a big deal. And uh, it was quite exciting because not only was the girl that was hosting an Anna Mears, we got to speak with Anna Mears, um, we got to speak also with the, uh, the tour down under, rider, and I've just completely forgotten his name, uh, who won the tour, has won the tour seven times out of eight. And uh, just an incredible athlete and a beautiful, humble man. And it was a, a little bit exciting to get a photo with them as we stood beside them and took a photo. But that's nothing like coming into the throne room of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? And we, we have to speak to ourselves because we have done it so many times and we think so little about it. Familiarity breeds what? Contempt. We need to speak to our hearts because our God is great and worthy and there is none like him. And yet we get to come into his presence and worship him. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our, in our what? For we do not know what to pray or what we should say, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groans too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what it is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes. This is a beautiful picture of prayer. And for a broken man, a broken woman, a broken life, when our heaviness has become so heavy that we need God to enable us. And through our sobbing and through our moaning before our Heavenly Father when we can't even utter an intelligible word because our spirit is so grieved we are told that the merciful Holy Spirit comes alongside us and speaks on our behalf to the Father that the Father might what? Bless us. Such is the mercy and the grace of our God. We ought to Stir one another up to good works. And I want to finish by talking to you about the last part of this verse. I have so much to say to you just in these. But, Loved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith um, and be praying in the Holy Spirit and keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the mercy that he's speaking about here in direct focus is that Jesus Christ is coming back again. Jesus Christ is coming back again and he's coming back amen for his church as he's told us in John chapter 14 I go to prepare a place for you and if I've prepared that place I'll return for you he tells us that we should comfort another, one another with these words the reality that Jesus Christ has defeated death and those who belong to him shall not die but they shall go to be with him in heaven isn't that great news the beautiful mercy of God And this is the mercy that we should encourage us us, and build us up. But I want you to think about the mercy just for a moment in a much more broad terms. Wasn't it merciful that our Father in heaven, even before the world was created, had such a love for us that he would protect us? Our merciful God who created the heavens and the earth, the merciful God who made us in his image, the merciful God who already had a plan to pay the price for our sin. Our merciful God who had such courage, such compassion, such love for us that he would send his own son to die in our place. Our merciful God who would continue to walk with us, continue to come after us, continue to care for us while we lived a life of rebellion and sin. A merciful God who not only planned to forgive us but to give us new life through his indwelling spirit to bind himself to us forever. Isn't that amazing? Our merciful God. This is the mercy that God has expressed to us. It's so broad and much more vast than I'm able to describe to you today. And this is how we build up our faith. Build up our faith by being in the Word of God and praying the Word of God back to our Father. Praying in the Spirit. And don't worry if you're not a great prayer because the Spirit of God will enable you. And God wants you to stir yourself up in your most holy faith in a world that's broken and against you. Be reminded that God is merciful to you all the time. Count your blessings and number them one by one. Is there not one thing today that you can give thanks to God for? We had a a precious lady come to us one time, my wife and I. She was struggling in her marriage and... uh, she had decided that the, the, the husband was a brute. <laughs> and I, I say that because Carol really understood that. I know what you mean. I knew exactly what you mean. And uh, she was really quite broken hearted, uh, all jokes aside. And she was talking about leaving him because he was such a brute. And um, Carol in her wisdom said to this lady, I just want you to find four things that you can give thanks to God for about him and she came back and said no way I can do that. <laughs> she said what about one? So she went home with one, like to find one thing. And we met with her 2 weeks later and she said to Carol, I didn't meet with her. Sorry, Carol met with her. And she said to Carol, you know what Carol, I I started thanking God that he was a good provider. He had a job and he was a good provider. And she said then all of a sudden I realized that he was actually a, a pretty good father. And so I started giving thanks for the, he was a good father. And then I realized he was actually a really good friend to his friends and I started giving thanks. And then I started to give thanks for the way he took us to church. And she ended up with a long list because her heart started to reflect on the mercy of God and it built up her faith and gave her confidence. You see, let me finish with this for the sake of time. God loves you. And he beckons you through the book of Jude. He, he begs of you to contend for the faith. Don't think that you can stand still because you get swept away. He invites you to contend for the faith, to build your faith, to build your knowledge of God's word, to build up your prayer life and to give thanks and always be in the mercy of God. And I'll finish again for a third time with this. I just thought of this I want to share with you. When you have a big vision of God, it enables you to love others. You notice he says that he wants you to keep you in the love of God? When you have a small vision of God, you end up looking at yourself and life becomes pretty miserable and pretty hard. But when you have a big vision of God and you understand his care for you and his love for you and you understand his character, it enables you to be able to rest in him and then you're able to love others as God loves you. Does that make sense? This is what God is wanting us to do as a church. And we need to do, we need to contend for this because we don't always do it well we make mistakes, we hurt one another, but God says, I want you to contend for the faith, I want you to build yourselves up in the Word of God, I want you to pray in the Holy Spirit, and I want you to love others the way that I have loved you. Isn't that beautiful? If we are willing to forgive one another as God has forgiven us, it frees us to bring glory to God in the way that we love others, in the way that He loves us. Well friends, it's been a real thrill to just give you the the beginning of what God is going to share with us through this. We've got some wonderful speakers who are going to speak to you over the next three weeks as we contend for the faith. I encourage you for homework that you would read through the whole of the book of Jude. It's not terribly long, but particularly concentrate on verses 17 to 25. You're going to hear those read in the service next week, the week after, and the week after. We're going to continue to pound you with that reading because you want those beautiful words to soak into your lives. God wants us to be involved in contending for the faith with him. What a privileged privileged invitation we've received from God. Let me pray for you in the Holy Spirit as we close this time. I'm going to invite uh, Phil and Carol to lead us again in worship. Father, can I ask you to stand with me if you're able? And if you'd be so kind as to close your eyes and just focus on the living God because right now through prayer and through the invitation of the Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit we actually get to come together as a church family into the presence of the living God imagine yourself in your mind's eye coming into a throne room and that throne in front of you is just full of light and glorious and on that throne is your heavenly father who loves you and seated at his right hand is the Lord Jesus Christ the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Indwelling you is his precious Holy Spirit, whom you've been sealed with until the day of redemption. What an honor we have this morning to pray to him. Amen. Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the power of your Holy Spirit. And we come knowing full well that Jesus paid the price so we could be here today. He paid He suffered the pain and the horrible death so that we could be forgiven. And we ask you again to forgive us for our sins. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. Father, you are altogether wonderful. Thank you for inviting us into your presence. Thank you for always having the door open to us. Thank you for being willing to hear our prayers as feeble as they may be. you love to hear us pray. And you love to answer our prayers. Thank you for the peace that you bring to our lives. Thank you that you are the one who we find true joy in. Thank you that you've got it all under control. Our lives are pretty messy at times, Lord. And we have times where we're racked with fear and anxiety. Times where we're overcome by doubt and faithlessness. And Father... It just seems so very difficult at times, but it's so nice to know that you have already got the end worked out. You will never leave us and you've prepared a home for us. Thank you for being so kind and so gentle. Thank you for being you. You are holy, holy, holy. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.